This is the MG Car Club podcast with Wayne Scott and Adam Sloman. On this week's episode, part two of my conversation with Jeff Coop from the British Motor Museum. The MG Car Club podcast. Hello, Wayne Scott with you on another MG Car Club podcast on a momentous occasion. Yes, the weekend when finally lockdown lifts. Yes, I know I've said that before. We've been here before, but this one feels like a little bit more permanent. Let's hope it is. As of very shortly after this podcast is published, we are going to be able to meet each other. Apparently, we're allowed to hug, so group hugs all round. And also hospitality is able to open once again, which is really exciting because it means that places that we love, like the British Motor Museum, open their doors once again. And all of those venues that we use as meeting places are able to start their preparations ahead of the next big lift of lockdown after the 21st of June, where hopefully MG Car Club Natters Meets and Events will return with a vengeance we're looking forward to it and whilst there'll be loads of regional stuff for you to get involved with with the mg car club close to you the big one happens at malvern at the three county showground 13th to the 15th of august of course and you can get your tickets now via triumph and mgweekend.com or you can follow the links from the podcast page or of course the mg car club e-newsletter tickets are on sale now the mgz's have just announced their plans for the 20th anniversary of that model of mg they're going to be there you can see all the details of that on the website at triumphandmgweekend.com plus of course we'll be celebrating 60 years of the mg midget Get your tickets now. It's going to be the best party you can ever imagine because we're all allowed out and we haven't seen each other for ages. So make sure you're there and make sure you don't miss out. MG have been winning awards again and uh, news came last week that the MG5 EV has won a second major honour having been named as Best Value Electric Vehicle in the inaugural Electrifying.com Awards. And it's great to see an all-electric estate car winning with this obsession with SUVs. Uh, It might not be the most electrifying of designs, but the MG5 EV has done what it says on the tin. And it has delivered a fantastic value electric car that is very practical for families looking to get into the market. Electrifying.com measured it at a 214-mile range and at a price of just over 25 grand. It is one of the cheapest electric cars on the market. MG have done it again then, an affordable car that makes electric vehicles far more viable. Little wonder then that their sales continue to increase and it's great to see the MG mark doing so well. Talking of doing well, a congratulations to everyone who got involved with the FBHVC's National Drive It Day via the MG Car Club. Uh, They've just announced this week that the FBHVC exceeded all Drive It Day targets to fund a day of NSPCC Childline operations via their One Unforgettable Day scheme. The FBHVC have said that National Drive It Day in support of Childline was a massive success for the historic vehicle community across the UK, uh, both in terms of getting historic vehicles seen on the nation's roads to raise awareness of what we love to do with our MGs, but also raising money to support the vital NSPCC Childline service and whether it was small socially distanced groups or individual journeys the UK was graced with loads of classic vehicles 
on the roads. The FBHVC announced then that funds raised by you guys buying their charity rally plates now exceeds £30,000 and is continuing because so many of you put off your Drive It Day events till later in the year and are still buying plates. Fantastic news. You can still get yours, by the way, via driveitday.co.uk. And a whole gallery of images is also available via that website from the 25th of April 2021. And all of that means that the historic vehicle community via the FBHVC have now raised enough money to fund the entire operation of NSPCC's Childline service for one unforgettable day. And that particular day has been earmarked for the 12th of November 2021, of course, the opening day of the NEC Classic Motor Show in Birmingham, where both FBHVC and NSPCC representatives will be on hand to show off the great work that you have made happen through raising that money by buying those rally plates. Fantastic. You can see more information via driveitday.co.uk. But thanks to you driving your MGs on the 25th of April this year, we have managed to fund a service that looks after so many young and vulnerable lives across the UK. So fantastic stuff and well done to all of you. Now, the easing of restrictions means that museums are able to open once again. And as of Monday, the 17th of May, the British Motor Museum at Gaydon will reopen and we'll be looking forward to running events like the 25th plus one anniversary of the MGFs there this summer. And of course, the MG Social in October. All of that to come as I pick up with part two of my conversation with the British Motor Museum's Managing Director, Jeff Coop, next. The MG Car Club Podcast. The MG Car Club, the mark of friendship. To take advantage of our many membership benefits, access to our centres and registers, and to receive your copy of Safety Fast magazine, join us now at mgcc.go. UK. Sharing your passion for MG on the MG Car Club podcast. This week, we continue part two of my conversation with Jeff Coop, Managing Director of the British Motor Museum at Gaydon, which is ideally placed in the Midlands with Longbridge not far away, Abingdon less than an hour down the motorway, and Wrighton on Dunsmore just around the corner where Jaguar Classic are now and the Roots Group once were. And there's something special, Jeff, isn't there, about being located close to the epicentre of where it all happened for the British motor industry? Yeah, it, yeah, there is. Yeah. I mean, even now, as we speak now, we've, of course, we're right next door to um, Jaguar Land Rover and Aston Martin's headquarters and, and indeed research and development centres and uh, in Aston Martin's case, large part of their production so you know we, we we're in um uh, effectively we're we're in silicon valley of the motor industry really this sort of m40 corridor though you don't have to go far off it to find uh, grand prix teams uh, say research development centers uh, you name it it's, it's in and around this area so I feel it's a great privilege for for, for us for me personally because i've been in the industry all my life to uh, to be able to to pull to pull in some way that that amazing history together and 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 put it out there so that everybody can come and enjoy it and and uh, take a look at what uh, you know what what the British did during the um, you know the hundred and what thirty years of the development of the automotive industry in the country and uh, and yeah and it's somewhere they can come and enjoy and be entertained and they we do we've got an education team 
and uh, we 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 um, we offer a certificate sales for people who've got British cars. In fact, we've got we can have a certificate for any MG from I think 1953 TFs I think to the uh, RV8s of uh, the mid 90s. So we can offer certificates for them. Um, you can come and be entertained at our weekend shows. Uh, we've got the MGF 25 plus one, of course, show and anniversary show on the 24th of July, which is uh, which is going to be a great time. And uh, obviously the Car Club Members Day, I think that's going to be on 9th of October. Uh, and plus a whole host of other um, weekend shows that we've got coming up. So I kind of want to make the place, you know, it's it's, it's sort of the epicentre of automotive history in the UK and automotive entertainment. And uh, and I think we're, we're heading down that 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 road, actually. And uh, we've got a lot of new things coming on. And, um, you know, our vision is to make us the global focal point of British automotive history. And, uh, and that's what we'll be doing. And we'll be developing the whole venue as a campus to, um, to to really be something to come and see. Um, in fact, I've been talking to uh, people about, so we, we, we're, we're well on the road to developing our hotel, uh, as in um, actually, well, we, we've got planning permission for a large hotel on site now, and um, and that, that will transform the, uh, the centre as well, so people can come into a weekend show and stay. They can go to a conference and stay. We can do different types of training courses, multiple day. We can do all sorts of things with the hotel. Um, and uh, we're also looking at building a second um, uh, collection centre. Um, code name for them is uh, MCC1 and MCC2 because I'm using collection centres one and two. Um, but MCC2, we are uh, looking to fund. Uh, we've got the designs and the planning permissions. And that will be a sister building to MCC1 where all of these really uh, wonderful um, prototypes are and um, that will uh, will double the space to uh, I think we'll have about 15,000 square meters of exhibition halls and centers to have a wander wow. around so a full a full day doesn't touch it really yeah, <laughs> you're going to need the hotel to stay so um, yeah we've got some 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 um, wonderful plans to make this little part of Warwickshire in the middle of England um, you know the epicenter of um, the industry that I love, anyway. It's uh, it's 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 been a brilliant industry for me to work in, and all the different jobs I've done in it. So I'm just uh, I just feel such a privilege to be looking after yeah. the work of so many so many brilliant people, really, that have um, come through the industry, and uh, their work is um, it, it can't be wasted, can it? No, it has to, no. it has to be. Yeah. You know, it has to be kept for the future generations, and uh, and so they can have a look at. Um, See how weird and wonderful we were, actually, because I think uh, I can imagine in two hundred years' time when they think that they'll look at these these metal boxes and think that um, how mad was that generation? They uh, <laughs> they sat in these these tin boxes. They put a machine at the front uh, that um, set fire to volatile fuel and they pumped it at high pressure <laughs> through, the, <laughs> through the cabin, and then they set light to it to get themselves down the road. And, and then and then maddest of all, they let them drive them themselves. <laughs> Well, let's also hope we're mad enough to keep doing it as well as a pastime yeah, and a hobby because, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you, you'd agree with me. It's fantastic to see those cars in the collection at the museum, but yeah. there's something yeah, about seeing cars moving out on the roads that we must also yeah. protect, of course. And what, uh, what, One of the things, Wayne, that we're doing as well, we've developed over the winter, which, again, I think you'll, um, the members will be 
pleased to hear about is that we're going to have uh, every second Tuesday of the month in the evenings, we, we're going to have what we call a Gaiden Gathering, which is basically a free event. Uh, we do have to book tickets. You have to go on a website and get a ticket, but um, that's only for COVID um, a collection of uh, uh, contact data. Um, and actually controlling the numbers this month. We've, we only had to limit the tickets to 500. But, uh, yeah, what's it going to be? Every Tuesday evening, uh, sorry, every second Tuesday of the month, uh, we're going to have this gathering of just anything. If you've got a classic car, bring it have, and put it on the um, in the arenas and, you know, have a burger, buy a drink, <laughs> have a chat to your friends. And then as part of that sort of uh, grassroots sort of um, get-together, it's like a pop-up little event, really, um, we're going to have what we call a Gaiden Garage, um, which uh, we've got this fantastic garage, um, which um, which uh, we use to do all of our renovations and our maintenance and servicing of the, all the vehicles we've got here. And uh, what we're going to do is we decided we're going to bring those vehicles to life and we're going to bring them out at about 6.30. The show starts at about 5 o'clock in the evening. About 6.30, we're going to open the Rolls door and we're going to have a commentator, and we're going to bring something special out um, to uh, to have a look at and actually drive it through the car parks uh, very safely. Um, and uh, it'll be one of the uh, fabulous car uh, cars from the collections, both Jaguar Daimler Heritage Trust's beautiful Jaguar collection and Daimler collection, and uh, of course our own um, multi-mark collection. And uh, it'll be something that comes out, and there's a sort of a sort of a, a teaser this time, because it's the 60th birthday uh, of E-Type, we're going to bring out next Tuesday uh, the very first and indeed the very last E-Type ever produced. And they're going to drive out as a pair out of the garage, drive around so people can see them in motion again, because it's my mind, you know, being a you know, petrol engine <laughs> development engineer, you've got to see these cars in motion, you've got to hear them and smell them. And, uh, and then we'll put them back on the apron and people can... Uh, and have a look at them and um, have a sort of take a photos of them and what have you and then we'll put them away and then next month we'll do the same again and we'll bring out uh, and as you say Wayne we've got some amazing cars to bring out so some of the uh, what have we got now we've got over 420 cars on site on display so yeah we've got a few cars to go out for those uh, Tuesday evenings uh, in the summer months so uh, yeah another interesting little um, um, thing that we've come up with, which again is bringing the museum to life. And uh, hopefully, above all else, I, th I hope it inspires youngsters and, and uh, you know, the next generation of designers and engineers to say, wow, look at that, that's gone on before us. <laughs> look what our forefathers did. I want to be part of that. And uh, let's, let's hope we inspire the next generation or two of, uh, of automotive uh, people. I was going to ask you about that because I think you have a different perspective on museums to probably most managing directors of most museums because you know i don't think i'm incorrect in saying that probably those who work in the museums mostly come from academic backgrounds traditionally but you are an engineer you've worked with the cars you've worked in the industry that this museum represents do you think that gives you a different view on how things need to be displayed and how important it is to encourage people to come into this industry yeah, I think I think it probably does, Wayne. To be honest, um, you'll have to ask my trustees who appointed me as to why they picked <laughs> the engineer to head the uh, organisation up. But um, I uh, had a, uh, uh, I think it was um, euphemistically described as a chat 
come and have a chat with us, Jeff, <laughs> yes. and it turned into a three-hour interview in front of the board. But uh, yeah, I, I laid out what my vision would be. It was to do all the things we've just been chatting about, to make it the global focal point of British automotive history, to bring it alive, to inspire the next generation, to tell the social stories of of uh, the, the the whole industry, not just not just the factories, but everybody who lived with people who worked in the factories, um, the families of the fact, you know, all of that, and um, uh, yeah, and um, well, they must have liked it because they uh, <laughs> did a job, and now I've, um, you know, I'm absolutely delighted, and I'm going to going to be, um, you know, taking that forward, and uh, to me, a car. A car, if it was built for anything, it was built to move. And, um, you know, I had a part, a little part in helping them to move in developing engines. And uh, and to me, um, you know, there's something magical about firing up a combustion engine vehicle and um, and, and, and seeing it going off and hearing it. And uh, it's just it's just magical. And so, you know, I'm just hoping that other people feel that same magic as I do. You've had to sort of have a bit of Dunkirk spirit to get through the obvious problems around COVID and the, sure. the pandemic that's affected all of us. But, you know, sort of separating that to one side, what do you think and what are you gearing up for as the challenges that the museum and indeed the whole heritage conversation that we've got to have around transport faces over the next 10 odd years? Well, you, you can look at it in two ways. You, you, can, you can be fearful of it. This, this next generation, this perhaps this electrification, this um, hydrogen fuel cell technology, you can, you can be fearful of it in the sense that it represents the end of something you, we, all of your listeners love, uh, which is, which is um, combustion technology, um, combustion engine vehicles. Um, or, or you can say, well, it's still engineering, it's still science, um, and, and you can embrace it. So one of the things that I am going to do is to make sure that one of those new exhibition halls that we're going to build in the new building will be for new technology innovation. So we'll look at we'll, we'll look we'll of course look backwards to all at all the things that has been built to date. But one of the things I want the museum to do is also to give a window of insight into what's coming. Um, what's it going to look like? What's it going to? What technologies are going to be there? And, and I, I think we won't be so worried about it because I think there's going to be some really interesting iterations of vehicles and things come out of it. Um, it'll be different for sure, but you, you, you can't stop the tide coming in, can you? You know, combustion engine cars are not going to be able to be sold in, what, 10, nine years' time. So, so we, we, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll always, always have the... Um, you know the glorious past that we've had, and and the ordinary past. You know we'll have the have the uh, Allegros and the uh, Marinas and uh, and uh, the Minis, of course, in here because the ordinary is extraordinary as well. And uh, but but we'll, we'll we'll look at the we'll have a little insight into the future as well. And uh, one of the things that I am sort of working on at the moment is uh, how do you charge that many electric cars without spiking the grid. There are solutions out there that um, we're looking at and going to demonstrate, hopefully, that uh, will show that you can charge an electric vehicle with zero emissions, obviously from the tailpipe, but also zero emissions from the charging point um, point of view, from, from manufacturing and generating electricity. We've, uh, we're working with institutions and other organisations to look at demonstrating how 
that's all going to work. And uh, yeah, so you'll be able to come to the museum and look at the past and loads and loads of the past. And uh, if you're interested, you'll be able to have a little look into the little look kind of peep into the future. In fact, maybe we'll even have some one or two test cars which we can uh, we can let uh, give people experiences in on our test track, which is just on, just on the site and. Uh, and give people an insight into how it's like to drive an electric car and uh, even an autonomous car for the first time because that's going to be interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, of course, it's very pertinent to us because one of the brands out there that is really changing the face of electric vehicles and of vehicles of the future is MG. They are one of the few yeah. manufacturers that are making viable electric vehicles that people can actually afford that have a bit of luxury and a bit of normality to them. And, of course, recently we've seen them unveil the Cyberster and exciting vehicles like that at the Shanghai Motor Show. And so MG are right at the forefront, once again, of developing new cars that people can afford but that are of the future. So, yeah, great for MG fans to see. Yeah, well, we want to demonstrate how you can... Uh, I'm not quite sure what the charge rate is on the new MG um, supercar, but, uh, you know, we, we want to do... In fact, we want to install a demo demonstration unit of um, super rapid charging, uh, probably 250 kilowatt chargers um, with all the electricity generated completely emissions free and demonstrate that on this site. Um, told you they shouldn't have put an engineer in charge. <laughs> but <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Uh, but but yeah, and, and, and then to back all of that up, of course, we, um, we hold our... Um, our EV show, our electric vehicle show, is one of our weekend shows now. And um, I think the first one we did was back in 19. And that was actually in collaboration with MG at the time. They, they sent uh, one of their first electric vehicles in. And um, we were doing demos. And, uh, yeah, they were part of the uh, organisation of that meeting, uh, of that event. And uh, we're holding another one this summer. And... Um, yeah, hopefully uh, MG will be a big part of that. I mean, that car does look stunning, doesn't it? I have to say, I saw a glimpse of it and uh, in the press release, and uh, it does look an awesome, awesome uh, sports car. Yeah, well, it's right in the vein, to my eyes, of some real superstars of MG's history that you can actually find in the British Motor Museum at Gaydon. Things like the MG EXE, that fantastic concept car from Roy Axe and Jerry McGovern of the late 1980s, and all of those stepping stones, the prototypes that are in there for the facelifts and the proposals for taking the MGB forward, and for the midget as well, that of course also turned 60 this year. You can see the full story of those cars at the British Motor Museum alongside those that made history breaking land speed records and one of the highlights for me last year was seeing all of those land speed record cars sat on their plinths with all of the footage of some of those amazing characters uh, that uh, drove those like sterling moss uh, to uh, to all of those we, world records in those days we uh, yeah we we won a couple of awards actually while we shut down um, wayne and one for the museum and one for the conference center uh, and uh, i think the conference center was best uh, independent venue in the UK, which was fantastic. But more importantly, the the, uh, the Royal Automobile Club holds historic awards every year, and we were um, promoted, put, put forward um, um, by. Uh, well, actually, yeah, yeah, that's right. We we were put forward in the uh, best collection, historic collection awards, and we we actually won it. Uh, and uh, partly because of all of the stuff we're doing about bringing the museum out into the public and taking the museum outside its 
venue, as it were, and taking it out to the world and all the other things we've been doing. Uh, but, I, but I chose to do my little COVID because it was <laughs> we didn't unfortunately couldn't go to the awards ceremony because it wasn't one, but uh, they did a virtual one. And um, yeah, we, uh, we, we, we took uh, the uh, shots in front of those MG speed cars, streamliners, and, uh, and the amount of people and comments that we got with uh, the MGs in the background was, was fantastic. People noticed and uh, yeah, did that deliberately to make sure that uh, people can see how fantastic the, uh, the, the past has been. You know, an MG in particular has got an amazing history. I was just looking at one or two of the stats, being an engineer on some of those speed cars, because we've got the 1938 EX uh, 135 Goldie Gardeners, and then we've got the um, the uh, EX 179 of 54 and the 57 EX 181, and uh, and then and then of course we've got the uh, EX 2255. That's the MGF V8, um, 960 horsepower. Which was uh, a speed car that, unfortunately, that attempt was was um, abandoned um, in in the late nineties. But um, so, in actual fact, the uh, I noticed that the fifty seven EX one eight one speed record car still holds the record as the fastest MG. Can you believe? Uh, but just looking at the power outputs from some of these vehicles from back in the day, I mean, the twelve fifty cc supercharged two hundred two hundred twenty horsepower. I mean, um, the um, the um, EXE 181 was 1500cc, 300 horsepower, 255 miles an hour. I mean, these are just astounding figures. And this is coming from an engine, you know, an engine's engineer. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, if I could have got, you know, uh, 300 horsepower <laughs> to 1500cc, uh, I probably, I, I wouldn't like to look at the specific fuel <laughs> consumption, by the way, on that. But, uh, but nevertheless, the, you know, to actually have that much power, from a, such a small engine uh, without it exploding, because um, a lot of engines do explode on the development trail um, uh, when you push them too far. It's just, just I find it staggering. You know, before I was born, even they were pushing that sort of power out in it, it, with technology of the age. You know, it's just uh, what's a, what's a history? It's just, just it's just an absolute privilege to be given the job to look after this stuff to be honest you had to but, be brave um, to drive something like that and that's why well, of well, course yeah. they went for lieutenant colonel goldie gardner to do it because they thought i guess well <laughs> if he can take the, the country into battle and war he can handle one of our mg record cars <laughs> <laughs> yeah and sterling moss of course i think course, drove, yeah. uh, what did he do he drove 181 yeah i don't think he, he, he didn't hit the record on that one but um but he certainly drove that in fact there's a lovely picture uh, a great big picture just in front of these speed cars. We've got all four of them on plinths. And uh, just in front of them, there is a uh, big video screen. And we've got, of course, all of the, um, the old footage, the film footage of these cars racing at uh, various places, particularly at Salt Flats at Bonneville. And, um, and there's a lovely still shot of uh, Sterling Moss just out of the car, having sweated away inside it and uh, drinking, a, I think he's drinking a bottle of water. But the interesting thing about that little sort of uh, exhibition is that um, very often I'll see families uh, when we're open, of course, families looking at the uh, the old footage of the film. They're watching this car streak across the across the salt flats, and then when it sort of stops, I'll say, um, "Yeah, you see that car up there to the little children?" And I said, "That's that car behind you." And they say they turn around, and you know the dads would probably say, 
uh, that, that's that's a sort of um, that's a mock-up of that car. So no, no, that car you've just seen on that old footage is that metal behind you. You're literally looking at history, and and it kind of that connection between seeing it live in its day and then seeing it in a museum, the actual car. It's like the cars that Winston Churchill lint on and uh, <laughs> the Land Rovers, and you know, it's it sort of really takes you back into the history of it and. Uh, and it's uh, you know the kids' faces when you tell them that's the car that's on the on the screens up there, is uh, is, is 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 something to behold. It's fantastic, yeah, uh, superb. Well, I have to say one of my MG heroes in the museum is probably a car that a lot of people walk straight past, if I'm honest. But it's testament really to you and the collection that you you put on display there, because it's not always about the big headlines, but. To me, one of the best bits of MG's history that's represented at the British Motor Museum, and it's that 1936 MGSA that sits there. That was the very beginning of MG breaking into saloons mm. and creating a luxury limousine, in effect, there. And I think that's an amazing car and part of the MG story that a lot of people sort of gloss over, really. Absolutely. Uh, funny enough, that is my... So it, it, the proportions of it are so perfect for the period it mm. comes from. The bonnets, the, the length of the bonnet, the the, the wings, the the, the, the way the the, the, the the cabin sit. It's just perfect, and and I absolutely agree with you. It's one of my favourite cars in the whole collection of uh, British Motor Museum. It's just so so correctly proportioned for its age for its period uh it's a beautiful beautiful car and we've uh, we have that out um from time to time in fact that's uh, probably a nice car to bring out for the gaden garage one day um but uh, it is a beautiful car um and uh yeah 1936 um about 80 horsepower from a 2.3 lead but it's just a beautiful car and uh yeah one of one of, one of my favorites for sure um but uh yeah, they're, well, they're also lovely, aren't they? When you start looking at them, it's just, um, just, just they're just stunning. But that is a uh, a beautiful car. One of the little quirks on that car is that um, I don't want to encourage everybody to do this because Stephen will have a fit. To find <laughs> I say this to uh, however many thousand people might be listening to this, but uh, if uh, if you get one of my uh, visitor <laughs> visitor help, uh, attendants to help you, um, is to listen to the way the door closes. The front door on that car, or the doors on that car, they're sort of what we commonly known as suicide doors. They open from the back. Um, but the clunk that uh, you just gently close, just let it go, and uh, it just clunks perfect. And I've even known, well, some of the mild college JLR colleagues come round and listen to that clunk to see if that can be replicated because it's just such a beautiful sound of a door perfectly closing onto its onto its latches and seals uh it's um i'll, I'll show you next time you come up way <laughs> difficult to difficult to describe on an audio uh, interview uh, i'll hold you uh, to that i really hold, will hold you to it. That. come and come and have a listen to the door clunk and by the way i hope no if everybody doesn't start opening and closing that door yeah. we'll hear it out but uh, but what a superb car it's just absolutely delightful absolutely. yeah well of course no coincidence that that car came out just as sir william lyons was creating some very interesting swallow bodied standards at the time but uh, yeah that yeah. is another story for another day mm. so uh, uh yeah. jeff how can people find out more about the museum when are you expecting to open right well we've got a 
super website. Um, we're constantly sort of updating that. Uh, just you can Google British Motor Museum, you'll you'll find us. It's it's always there. Loads of things on there. We're going to open on the seventeenth um, of May, um, which isn't too far away now. Uh, that's the museum opening, uh, and then uh, just prior to that, next Tuesday. Uh, 11th of May, we're going to uh, hold our first game gathering of the year. We can do that purely because it's a purely outdoor event. There's no indoor element to that um, that, that uh, Tuesday evening event. Lots of food on sale, lots of um, things going on. Just interesting to see what people bring. You know, they basically drive what uh, they bring, what they drive, I should say, and motorbikes, of course, and even italian scooters it's the one thing we do which is not limited to british so we get loads of different cars up which you don't very often see at the british motor museum and there's such an interesting amount of cars come up we piloted it last october we managed to just just about get one in before lockdown and um and, and the night's drawing in too much and we had uh 500 people come on site again um that, that sounds a lot of a lot of people and to some people, it might sound, well, is that safe? Yeah, we've got 65 acres of ground. So it's, it's uh, you know, we're licensed for 5,000 people to come to site. So uh, so it's a tiny proportion of what we could bring on site and do often bring on site when we're not restricted. But, um, yeah, it's 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 11th of May to Gaden Gathering and 17th of May for the museum opening. And uh, yeah, we've got uh, lots of uh, lots of interesting things going on. Um, we've got a new membership scheme, by the way, as well. In case any MG fans are in, interested, we've got uh, two two levels of membership, which uh, give you unlimited access to the museum, uh, into all of the shows. We're going to do uh, we're going to do evenings with uh, in the winter. So those second Tuesdays of the month, keep them in your diary because when we stop going outside in October. We'll start doing things inside the museum in the evenings, and uh, we'll we'll be holding um, interesting conversations with a bit of um, food and drink, and uh, with with interesting characters from the uh, from the, the automotive industry uh, and beyond, probably in some cases. Might get you to come and interview them, Wayne. Mm, to, uh, I'd be to, happy to, to. to. You can be Piers Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except we won't make anyone cry. We'll just no, keep, no, we, no, keep we don't happy do stuff. That. Yeah, <laughs> but no, that, that that'll be all part of the you know um, all all things of interest to uh, to, to to museum uh, members, and um, we're going to do an exclusive event for them where we get uh, quite a few of the cars out and. Uh, and run them up and uh, provide a bit of hospitality and that will be just exclusively for members and uh, you know get them in the cars as well so that they can uh, not experience seeing them but uh, let's get people in them and uh, if not the driving seat certainly the uh, the jockey seat and uh, let's see whether we can we can uh, yeah get people interested in that and, and all of these things I mentioned really um, um, Wayne, because as I said at the very start, we, we we've had to find different ways to diversify our income streams. You know, we need we need to not rely on just on the conference centre. Which, unfortunately, you know, when people can't come to the centre, I can't really take the conference centre to the people. It doesn't work in the same way as the museum. Um, so uh, it's because everybody does Zoom. So, uh, but um, yeah, we, we're diversifying. So all of these things that I mentioned, uh, you know, the um, the game gatherings, the the live interactive tours, the membership schemes, they all um, are going to help us in the future maintain this uh, 
you know, this wonderful venue and uh, all the stuff that's in it. And uh, oh, but one other thing, I if if I could just mention that we've also developed this print on demand. One of the things we, I think I mentioned it earlier on in the conversation, we've uh, we've got a huge photographic archive, um, literally over a million images, and uh, many of which um, won't have been seen if at all, not for a very very long time. And uh, they are they tend to come from each each of the factories have their own photographic department, and they photograph the development of the factories and the vehicles, and they took lovely unstaged shots of production lines through the ages and technical drawings and blueprint drawings and you name it we've got it and uh, so we thought as well why don't we try and take that a little bit out give, get that out there to the people who would appreciate all of this you can't just keep this in here there's no point in saving it for future generations if this generation can't see it so uh, so we've uh, we, we've gone into partnership with a company called um oh what are they called? King of Magor. Anyway, it's all on our website, basically. If you go to Archive Prints, um, then you can uh, you can look at... We've just tried 70 of them. We've put 70 images up there, 72 images up there. Uh, and we're just trialling the different types of images to see w- what images are interesting to people. We've had some people like the um, one or two of the technical drawings framed or put onto... You can have them framed any size you like. You can have them coloured. You can have a monochrome. You can have uh, uh, you can have them on a canvas. Basically, um, you buy the image that you want. You size it on this website and uh, frame it if you want to frame it. And uh, and then you buy, hopefully you purchase it. And then uh, within a week or two, it'll arrive in your uh, your house with this beautiful image that you've selected for presents or for for for, for anything really. Uh, but we're going to trial the uh, images. We're trialing them at the moment. So we're interested to get feedback on the type of images people want to see on there, but we have got so much to draw from, uh, and uh, and you know if 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 people enjoying the images helps to keep the images safe, then that's a, a sort of virtuous circle, isn't it? I think the way I look at it. So um, if if the money raised goes to preserve the images in the first place on their original uh, glass plates, then um, then uh, that's a that's a great thing to be doing. So uh, yeah, have a look out for that. That's a print on demand, but uh, archive prints at the uh, website. Great stuff. And of course, for MG fans, you mentioned it earlier on. It is the silver anniversary of the MGF. Twenty five years plus one of the MGF, uh, a postponed event from last year. At the MG yep. Car Club uh, members will be all joining all the MGF fans from across the country on the 24th of July and the 25th of July at the British Motor Museum and also the MG Car Club Social which is penned in for the 10th of October which of course the date nearest to the foundation of the MG Car Club 91 years ago as it will be on the 10th of October so lots of MG centred events to look forward to as well. Well, I often joke, Jeff, that I should have a flat at the British Motor Museum at Gaydon because I spend most of my life down there, it seems, doing one thing or another. And that's testament, really, to the number of events and conferences that you hold and the fact that, really, it is the central hub, not just of motoring heritage in the UK, but of the car club scene, of which the MG Car Club is a proud part of as well. So uh, thanks to you and, and to all the team and to all that you do throughout the year. So uh, Jeff Coop from the British Motor Museum in Gaydon, thanks very much for joining us. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. Subscribe to receive new episodes of the MG Car Club podcast at mgpodcast.com. 
www.ghostbusiness.co.uk.